Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today Friday podcast. It's the 19th of January, 2024. I'm Andy Eubank, and Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller are along shortly with Hat News. The podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, experienced banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. FFBT.com for more, and stop by your local branch. Coming up on the news, an update on prevention of African swine fever entering the U.S., and a preview of the new Soil Health Podcast. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says snow and bitter cold are in the Indiana forecast. And Thursday, grains and oil seeds gained a little. Mike Silver has some comments coming up on the Friday Who's Your Ag Today podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. In Indiana, there isn't a country road, county highway, or interstate where you don't pass a farm. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Those of us involved in agribusiness understand the importance of our industry. ACI exists to advocate for the needs of our members and the whole of Indiana agribusiness at the State House and beyond. We hope you'll join us. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Bids are being accepted now for 346 acres of Indiana farmland. Halderman Real Estate Services brings you an opportunity to own top quality farmland in Carroll County, featuring four sizable tracts of tillable cropland and grain bin totaling over 346 acres. Visit halderman.com for information on the Flora Group Legacy Auction. Bids will be accepted until January. January 31st at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit Halderman.com or call A.J. Jordan, 317-697-3086. Equal housing opportunity. The ongoing efforts to keep African swine fever outside the U.S. and a preview of the latest episode of our Soil Health Podcast. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Indiana ranks fifth in the U.S. in pork production, with 3,000 pork producers across the state. And since Indiana's pork industry is such a huge part of the state's ag economy, it's important to keep diseases like African swine fever from coming into the U.S. We have very strict regulations here in the United States as far as the importation of animals and livestock in particular. And that's Dr. Craig Bowen, Assistant Director of the Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory at Purdue University. With African swine fever showing up in Europe, Asia, and the Caribbean, Dr. Bowen says it's important to keep pork from outside the U.S. from entering our country. So if we have any pork meat that may be coming in as sausage or any other cut, that has the potential to still have viable virus in there that should any of that enter the feed chain for those pigs, that would be an opportunity for transmission and infection of pigs and the introduction of ASF to our domestic swine herd. Dr. Bowen gives credit to the USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, as well as 
their Beagle Brigade. So for those that may not know, the Beagle Brigade is actually a group of beagles that are at the airports that are trained to use their sense of smell to search out for any pork products that might be in luggage that might be coming in. So when you come through customs, if you've been out of the country, make sure you check your car that you've been around any ag animals or on any farms because they are looking at those things. He also credits pork producers for their work in keeping the disease at bay. They're the first line of defense and recognizing if there is an issue and I think we definitely need to recognize their efforts that they put forward each day monitoring their animals making sure those pigs are acting normal and if they do see something out of the norm that they contact their veterinarian they get a hold of the state animal health officials and then our diagnostic lab there at Purdue being part of the National Animal Health Laboratory Network we're able to go through and do that initial testing for those foreign animal diseases and give our producers stakeholders a quick answer that uh, at this point in time have all been negative and we really would like to keep it that way. He recommends that if you plan on traveling to another hog farm outside the U.S., to keep biosecurity measures in mind. If you hear of friends, family, neighbors that are going to be traveling outside the United States, especially if you hear that they're going to any of the countries that we know have confirmed cases of any of these foreign animal diseases, mention to them, hey, if you're gonna be on any farms, make sure that you're taking precautions when you come back to the United States. If you're gonna be on a farm and around any of that stuff, uh, I know plenty of people that take extra clothes that they don't necessarily need to bring back with them and may leave in those countries, visit Goodwill, pick up some extra clothing, extra shoes, wear those when they're gonna be around those species, leave them behind when they're gone and coming back to the U.S. just to kind of add a little more protection to those steps that we're not gonna be bringing something back with us. If African swine fever were ever to enter the U.S., it would economically devastate the pork industry, causing a drop of hog prices of up to 50%, as well as the culling of herds and a widespread loss of jobs. However, Dr. Bowen says he and his team are prepared to quickly respond in case of a positive test. We have individuals that are trained and have to pass what's called a proficiency test to make sure that they're able to perform the diagnostic test that would be necessary to rule out or diagnose one of those foreign animal diseases at our diagnostic lab when samples come from any of these suspicious cases. You can hear more of my conversation with Dr. Bowen and read more at HoosierAgToday.com. Speaking of our website, that's where you'll find the latest episode of Hoosier Ag Today's Soil Health Podcast. Elise Koning joins us now with a preview of the podcast that was recorded during last week's National No-Tillage Conference in downtown Indy. The conference is hosted by the magazine No-Till Farmer. Mike Lesseter is president of Lesseter Media, which publishes the magazine. He says the conference started as a way to connect the magazine's readers. What we really needed to advance it was a gathering of eager no-tillers who would share and be open with one another. We made the decision in the summer of 19. 1992 to do one in January 1993, and he expected 250 people to attend, and more than 800 came out here in downtown Indianapolis for it. Lesseter says the conference has grown to include farmers from across the globe. Representatives from Brazil, Ukraine, Italy, and other countries were among this year's attendees. Lesseter adds that the ability to network with other farmers is invaluable. The real magic is what we call the peer-to-peer roundtables, where there is no speaker. We have a moderator 
or kicks it off, but the farmers just talk to each other and say, I tried this, or does this work for you? And it fast-tracked the understanding of no-till and how to adopt it. And the speakers at the National No-Tillage Conference don't shy away from talking about the challenges they experience in a no-till system. To do this right, we have to talk about the challenges as well as the successes. We don't want anyone to have a lack of information when moving into this concept. Hans Koch is an independent conservation consultant. He has attended 25 of the 32 national no-tillage conferences and says that being at the conference is encouraging. Most of the speakers are farmers who are actually doing these practices and have been doing for a long time or even newbies that are just starting and it's always really uplifting and positive that you get a great group of people who have been doing the things you're promoting all year long and people are pushing back that it won't work and so here you come and yes it does work. Lesseter and Coke spoke with me for the latest episode of the Hat Soil Health Podcast brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. Hear the full conversation at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Elise Koning. And I'm CJ Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Let's face it, operating a farm isn't going to get any less expensive this year. That's why an operating loan from Farm Credit Bid America is built to give you more cash back and more flexibility in how you are able to manage your funds. Learn more at fcma.com operating and get an operating loan that pays you back. Loan subject to credit approval. Additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Bid America is an equal opportunity lender. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Who's Your Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Finishing out the week with a little bit of precipitation here across Indiana. We've got a clipper system working through, and it does have a little bit of moisture with it. Interestingly enough, it's picked up some moisture over the course of the last 12 to 24 hours, and now we're projecting anywhere from a coating to an inch or two at the minimum up to maybe three or four inches, maybe coming down in parts of northern Indiana. I don't think it's going to be a widespread problem, but there's definitely a little bit of snow to deal with here. Moving forward, this system is also then going to bring down a reinforcing shot of Arctic air, bitter cold air coming in behind it. I think the snow probably winds down by midday to early afternoon, and then we're just dealing with the cold air for the balance of the day today and right on through the weekend. Saturday and Sunday, well below normal. Maybe not quite as cold as how we started off the week here, but we're all definitely seeing cold air through the weekend. Next week, big pattern change. We see temperatures moderating, warming up quickly. And with the warm up on strong southwest flow, we also see some moisture trying to come back in. On Monday itself, it's not a big deal. I don't look for a lot of moisture on Monday, but I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we are going to be dealing with two waves of precipitation. So combined for the week, anywhere from a quarter to one inch of rain. I think the first weather system comes through Monday night to through a Tuesday, and then we see another one late Wednesday night into Thursday, could linger into Friday. But it's all rain. That's the interesting thing. Temperatures significantly warmer. 30s and 40s on the way next week as this
as rain tries to move through. Behind the rains, we don't see temperatures fall off dramatically. They fall off some, but I think we're closer to normal for temperatures for Saturday and Sunday. I, right now, we do see cold air pooling to the north in the upper Midwest, but does it dive all the way south? That's the question mark. I don't think it does, and we definitely don't see the huge Arctic surge that we're dealing with right now. So definitely seeing things better. However, with the warm-up and with the additional precipitation, that does mean we get very, very sloppy as we move through next week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mud season is back, and it's back with a vengeance. That's the way things are stacking up. Have a great weekend, and be careful here today. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Positive territory for corn, soybeans, and wheat. This is Hoosier Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Farm Market Review. Settlements on the way. First, market analysis. And I grabbed that from Mike Silver of Kokomo Grain right at the end of trade. Mike, the markets, corn, soybeans, and wheat did touch some levels that they seem to bounce off of, especially when you look at soybeans. A nearly dime gain on Thursday, but not a lot of news out there to support the market. The dollar continues working just a little higher on Thursday. Yeah, as you said, it, it's a, it was a very slow news day today, and if we compare today's what looks like going to be today's closes to last Friday's closes, uh, when USDA gave us that Gomer Pile type surprise, surprise, surprise. That, all those numbers, uh, which the trade did not expect, uh, and, and we went crashing down and in the holiday Monday, no trade. And then we came back Tuesday and we just extended the losses, made new contract lows in the March corn. Uh, we had no export sales report today. That report will come out tomorrow morning at 830. We did have uh, some flash export sales, corn sale to Mexico yesterday, so that was helpful. But there has not been a lot of fresh news uh, to propel this market higher. And, of course, uh, farmer sentiment right now, uh, farmers are concerned. You know, if I get one call a day, I get 10 calls a day as to just how low can this market go. And, you know, hopefully the, as far as the funds have pushed this contract to the downside, you know, if they could get a little bit of a catalyst uh, to get on the other side and do some buying, we could see some retracement to the upside. But that catalyst uh, certainly is not very apparent at this point in time. Although, you know, you know, there's, there's a saying, there's an old saying, you know, sometimes, uh, when all the news is negative, that's the positive news. I know that's hard for people to understand, but, you know, this market is all leaning one way. Um, but, you know, we've got one of the biggest crops we've ever raised. Uh, our carryout, U.S. carryout, according to USDA, is huge. Our export sales program still isn't where it needs to be. So, Andy, uh, you know, to say that uh, folks are confounded and confused and upset with price levels would be the understatement of the day and and the understatement of the new year thus far. But um, still, we have a job to do. We, we've got old crop grain that needs to be marketed. Um, and, you know, we go back and we look, we, we had a fantastic crop. And, and not only are U.S. farmers paying the price for that, uh, but, uh, you know, it has affected our demand picture. 
So we're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, you know, putting our heads in the sands uh, is not the solution. Looking at different types of marketing tools, uh, looking for opportunities across the broad spectrum of the market uh, is what I'm telling folks. Uh, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Uh, people are selling to meet cash flow needs. Uh, and we expect that's probably going to continue. But uh, there are a lot of folks that just uh, feel like these prices uh, are going to work higher. And certainly, you know, if we look at the rules of retracement, um, you know, with some probabilities in the 20, 40, 50, 100, and 200 day moving averages, which every trading algorithm in the world has those moving average lines in them, you know, they act as either support or resistance. And, you know, if we would consider, you know, them as resistance levels, certainly uh, we could pick out some price objectives uh, and keep our fingers crossed uh, that we can't rally this market. Um, the uh, basis levels uh, in soybeans are improving a little bit. The corn basis levels have improved somewhat. Uh, we did get the ethanol report today. Uh, corn use for ethanol was down last week. Uh, but still, our ethanol demand is still good. So we're just, uh, we just have to stay on our toes, Andy, w look for opportunities, get some open offers in the market. And I'm encouraging folks, you know, to just uh, pull out and some extra drawers in that marketing toolbox and just take a look at the different types of marketing tools that are available and see if they'll fit their needs and stay in touch with us. And we'll just uh, keep our fingers crossed that we can get some flash export sales. And uh, we'll look forward to what USDA has to say in the weekly export sales report tomorrow morning. Mike Silver at Kokomo Grain. Mike's number is 800-666-0613. Settlements now on the Hoosier Ag Today Thursday market review. Up a little over a penny in corn. March goes to 444, a gain of one and three quarters. And May, 455, that was a pickup of a penny and a quarter. July, a penny higher, 463 and a half. March soy futures, seven and three quarters higher, 1213 and a half. May contract 1224 and a quarter up six cents and up three cents on March wheat, 585 and a half. The February live cattle also gained ground, 174.82. That was a dollar 72 higher. And February lean hogs, 35 cents lower, down to 71.10. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday review. This is Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm network. <laughs> 